Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. In a very special conference finals. Super Bowl ticket being punched. Edition of the Dream Preview with the Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers. To my right... Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. All right, guys. The total of the decade. What do we say about it? Because I don't want, you know, personally, I really lobbied Brad and Fez. I said, guys, I don't want to talk about this. You know, we won. But would insistent be the right word, Brad? That. Would would that describe your take that I you insisted that I talk about? Yeah, it? I said the, we got to lead off the Monday Straight Out of Vegas show on it. There's no other choice. Why? What? Why? How could it be anything other than that game? Fez not as insistent. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. No, I was I was yeah. insistent. RJ, it was the highest scoring first half in the history of the NFL playoffs. Hold, hold on a second. Hold on. I got a little music for this. So the NFL playoffs, what, they've been around since 1967. I don't know how many playoff games there have been, but think about hundreds and hundreds of playoff games. And the one that is the highest scoring in the first half is the one that you landed on for your millennium total of the decade. (laughs) It may be contradictory there, but yes, decade. Now, is it easy? How do I do this? Don't try this at home. Yes. But, all fun aside, it's not easy, right? And the next time I love a game, at best, at best, and probably naughty, it's going to lose more than 40% of the time. And that's the best you can hope for. So, we were on it. I feel on it in general, which we can all benefit from. I know you guys have done a massive amount of work. So let's do it. Oh, by the way, no betting last week, but uh, we do have a leader in the clubhouse. Shocker, R.J. Bell is the king. Uh, Am I leading college too? You want leading one. I did. It's over. Huh. Maybe it's a coincidence. <laughs> Let's do it. Showtime. Woo. Who won college last year? RJ Bell. God darn. So three of the four, and you actually won NFL last yep. year. That was fluky. And if I remember, it was that Kansas City Patriots game because I had a big $500 bet on that one. Remember, it was the future. I had Kansas City. Fez, you had, I think I had a thousand on that because I had a nickel with you and a nickel with Maddie Holt that 
if neither of them made the uh, Super Bowl, we would push. Mm. Kansas City, I won. So, you know, that swung it and let Brad sneak in. So you're not a fan of D Ford jumping uh, offside there. No, nah, you know, it's, I just roll with the punches. <laughs> I, I don't try. I don't live in the past. Showtime! Woo! Speaking of Kansas City, Kansas City favored by seven and a half now, pretty consensus? Seven. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So these two both opened about, what, 7.25? Yes. One's gone up, one's gone down. Yes. Now, so this game, but it's still, so what we're saying here is Tennessee is clearly better than Houston, right? So Houston was, that was nine and a half, though, right? Baltimore got the 10 last week. Yes. But Houston did, or um, Casey didn't. Correct. Okay. So seven flat now? Yes. Yeah, 7.1, we'll call it. Mm, a little more. So we're going to dig in, guys. We're going to be talking props. There's a uh, Hitman has a teaser. Esler, Uncle Dave, Diamond Dave has his stuff. He's sharing. I've got, let's just say this, both Brad and Fez double like both of the games. So maybe let's lead with the lead. Fez, who do you like in this one? I like Kansas City, and I've got to talk about the fatigue issues for the Titans. So fourth straight road game, and I think that's a big deal because it's not just the fourth straight trip on the road, but look at these games. The Titans are at Houston. They need it to make the playoffs. Then they're at New England, the defending Super Bowl champions, and then at Baltimore, the uh, conventional best team uh, regarded as the best team in the NFL and now they got to go to Kansas City. This is a really, really tough road to hoe, and it's made even tougher, I believe, by the Derrick Henry workload, which is just unprecedented. So you said something about hoes on the road. What What did you say? Tough road to hoe. Okay, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was on that road. <laughs> I didn't know. It seemed weird. He was talking about the road and hoes and tough and— God. So I know Derek <laughs> Derek Henry has had three straight absolute monster games where— He's rushed for over 30 times, and he's gotten 180 yards in each and every game. And we all said, you know what? This is going to catch up to him in the third game. We didn't all say that. I said that. Didn't well, catch. I, I was concerned. And um, I'm glad I didn't express any concern. <laughs> I've got all these synonyms <laughs> written up. By the way, I, I get fined if I have a concern we're, we're, we're because not, I'm not truly let's concerned. Let's be clear about something. <laughs> No one thinks when I say I'm concerned. They all know I'm concerned for my freaking pocketbook, right? When you say I'm concerned, it seems like you're trying to be somehow, like, charitable. Right. Like, and, or when I say oh, I'm concerned about Derrick Henry's health. Exactly. Like, like oh, I no. I was concerned about my pocketbook if I somehow bet on Tennessee or really uh, any way that I would have any exposure to him, assuming that he was going to be hindered because he had had two straight Big carry games. Exactly. So he was 6.6 yards per carry against Houston, 5.4 against New England, and then 6.5 back up at Baltimore. Now, the only precedent we have, pregame we've done the research here, is backs that had three straight games. and, and they. So, so allow me to hmm. provide the pregame.com research. Uh, Derek Henry has rushed for 96 attempts in three weeks. The first player with at least 30 rushing attempts in three consecutive games since the Cleveland Browns running back, Jerome Harrison, 
in 2009, so literally more than a decade ago, that any running back has rushed even for 30, 30, and 30, where for Henry it's 30, 30, and 30, but then six additional rushes thrown in for good measure. Now, there's been 17 occasions since 2015 that a player has had 22-plus three in a row. So that's a, almost a 33% drop going from 30 to you know 20 would be, obviously, but 22-plus. And it's only happened 12 times, and let's think about that, 2015. So we look at that universe, only 17, as we said. So we got 2015, 16, 17. 18, 19. So five years. So on average, only, what, three times per year and a smidge more does someone even run for 22, 22, and 22. Wow. Henry's in a different strata. Now, being on the road every game, it's just more, what's the theory of this workload is you get tired, you're worn down. Well, it strikes me then that Henry is even more worn down for playing on the road. Sure. Now, there were 12 occasions that that running back had a fourth game. So for whatever reason, they didn't play the next game. It was the end of the season, whatever. So 12 times you've had 22, 22, 22. What is the effect on game number four? And those players averaged in that fourth game, game number four, a half yard less per carry than their season-long average. Half yard less per carry than their season-long average. That seems to be objectively proof positive that there's a fatigue factor, right? Yep. And you would, it would seem the end of the year, every, you know, the, the back's even more fatigued. I mean, if you really think about it, if you said, what is the perfect storm for a back to be tired? You would say, well, it's the very end of the year. So they've got 16-plus games behind them that they carry a bunch of times in three successive games, and they enter the fourth. It's like, wow, okay, that makes sense. And let's make every game on the road. And let's make it a bruising back because, listen, every back is going to take punishment if they carry the ball, but a bruising back is trying to deliver the – this just seems like maybe the most fatigue-prone situation we've seen in memory for a running back in the NFL, right? I mean, Agreed. how else would you create the scenario that you would say this back's going to be compromised by being overworked? I can't. It's unprecedented. And it may be unprecedented. It's certainly unprecedented in you know the last decade plus. Now, we mentioned four straight road games. And again, this was pregame.com research. McKenzie heading it up. Six teams have played four straight games since 89. But that's, that's uh, deceiving. Four of those happened in the playoffs – but I actually disagree with that, too. I did this work myself separately. And I don't disagree that it. Well, well, the question is what happened. In this case, the fourth road game happening in the playoffs is exactly correct. But what I disagree with is I think this scenario in which it was road in week 17, 
then road, road, conference finals road is the worst scenario because what game is more intense, regular season? If you have to swap out week 16 for a playoff game, which one's more intense? Playoffs. Playoffs. By far, right? Sure. So there's only been two occasions of that. So this is the third time that a team has played on the road to end the regular season and then gone road and one, road and one, and now going road in the conference final. Third time this century. And I think in general these road trends are less impactful now than they were in years past. Just travel is less onerous. But I still think it's meaningful. Fez, how are you thinking about the four road games? In terms of how, how many I mean, how are you point spread set? adjustment? Yeah. I mean, if you want to quantify it or you can do it with your amazing selection of adjectives. <laughs> One and a half points. Is that much? Yes. Hmm. Now that you quantify it, let's say. Now, if they somehow had played two straight road games prior and this was going to be a third, it would still be an adjustment, not this much, right? Correct. So you're saying versus perfectly rested. Right. Or or, or specifically versus mm-hmm. Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though they played last week, you yeah. would say they're rested. All right. Wow, that's a lot. What you, what's your gut feeling, Brian, on that? Mm, I was saying closer to a point. All right. So I think we got the Henry stuff. And again, good work, McKenzie. We got the four game stuff. Why don't we let Brad give his number one factor? Because you also like Kansas City. I do. And, and let's just talk about the Chiefs the last seven games. Once M- Patrick Mahomes fully healthy, 100%. They have you know the, no injuries for the most part. Tyreek Hill's healthy. The defense is finally adjusted to their new defensive coordinator, Spagnola. And here's what the Chiefs are these last seven games. 7-0 straight up. They win by 17 points per game. 7-0 against the spread. They cover by about 10 points per game. Average score 31 to 14. If you gave me that, I would say we are looking at the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I don't even think that's a debate, is it? No, but yeah, this point spread's two and a half, three points lower than what we perceived to be the best team in the NFL last week, Baltimore. Okay, now that is interesting. So what you're saying is, okay, let me be clear about what I just said. I think that's a fascinating question, Steve. Baltimore, Kansas City, neutral field today. What's the spread? Kansas City, tiny favorite. How much did you downgrade Baltimore last Point week? Point and a half. I think that's fair. But it's pretty much pick em. It's pretty yeah. pick em. yes. Yeah. I'd want Kansas City. You know, and to back up that pick em, if you looked at Kansas City the first four weeks, Mahomes healthy. In the last seven weeks, Kansas City is 11-0. They've outscored their opponents in those games by 15 points per game. That almost exactly matches what Baltimore outscored their opponents for the season. 15 yeah, points per game. That's bullshit. Because we, Baltimore is a tale of two seasons, right? Right. So if you look at the run Baltimore was on, Mackenzie, look up Baltimore's like positive run, discount, leave out the, this playoff game. And then let's look at Kansas City's run. And we can include the playoff game because it was good for them. And let's look. I don't care about ATS margin. I want to look at straight up Mm. margin. I'll take Baltimore. Yeah, you're going to (laughs) win. I'll give you the 
I'll give you three. Uh, That's I, a key number. I, I think you got to give me five. Five? And a half, five and a half. I think it's five and a half. Ooh, different. I don't know about that. Five's not enough. Five and a half is what I think it is. Per game or yeah, for per, an per, aggregate? Per game. Oh, my God. So, no. so you're saying I'll that take Baltimore one, the last 12 weeks? Hold on. What's the, what, what's the bet you want to make? Are we looking at Kansas City the 11 games or are we looking at the last seven? The 11. Oh, okay. All right. And you were saying that you thought, but what you're saying is, is the Ravens scored like 50 more, or, or margin was 50 more points if it's five per game. Yes. Saying. But somehow you were comparing the two. How? Yeah. You're right. I shouldn't have because the first four <laughs> weeks were the. I uh, mean, we can say maybe yeah. what we saw this last week is how it's faulty to try to compare and say, oh, well, those weeks didn't count. But yeah, that's what we're doing here yeah. for Kansas City, right? Sure. But let's agree to the following. You got that, McKenzie? Yes. Go ahead, please. So the Ravens during their ATS run of 9-1 and one were um, 21, and the Chiefs were 19. Per game? Yes. Okay. Oh. So, and, w- and how long was the run? Uh, Ravens was 10 games. I'm going with the uh, Chiefs' 7-game win streak. Okay. Oh. Now, what I'm interested – I don't know how we got on a per game. What I'm interested in – is pick a pick a middle number that feels right that meaning that it benefits Baltimore and it benefits KC and give me just the sum of the margin of victory. I think it's going to be Baltimore and you know I think a post mortem on Baltimore is justified and, and go ahead Ravens one seventy four Chiefs one forty eight over how many games last seven all right so even the last seven. And, but you left out Baltimore's loss. Yeah. Okay, cool. The most recent one. Okay. So let's agree to the following. Kansas City and Baltimore would be a pretty tight spread right now. Kansas City's clearly the best team left of the Final Four. Yes. So, Fez, what would you have the San Francisco-Kansas City on a neutral? I've got it at three. Really? I'm looking and saying three and a half. Uh, no, I'm seeing. I'm sorry, ten and seven. Okay, yeah. Huh. Boy, I love Kansas City there. We'll get to my skepticism about San Fran, though. A little tease. I call that a, a deep tease. We might have a bet you might want to make because I know the AFC versus the NFC is back up. And the last I saw, the AFC was minus one. What? Yeah. yeah. Really? Now, let's think about this. What's Tennessee and Green Bay? So, okay. So, what we're saying is... There is a slightly small, bigger chance that Tennessee wins than Green Bay. Okay, fine. But it's very small, right? Yep. And then the idea is Tennessee, though, if, is two points better in Fez's power ratings. So I think that at minimum, that washes that out. If anything, I think that's a slight edge for the AFC. Agreed. All right. So now we believe three. I think it's short. And you're saying I can get a minus one? Looking it up right now. All right. Let's take a gander at that. You know, I'll play, play it, a little song for Oh, you got it? Pick them. Right now, minus 110? Minus 110. What do you, do you like it? I like it. I'm, I'm, I will go and bet that in person so I can get a bigger bet on this because I think it's a great bet. Well, then do me a favor. Why don't we just put five, five dimes between us? Um, uh, uh. I was going to bet like fifteen hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, 
I you can jump in? I can run home and get some. Well, I, I got at least five on me. All right. So, uh, how's this sound? Let's bet five, and you know I'll I'll certainly take half if you guys want. We can figure it, whack it up later. Sounds good. But let's whack it up before the line moves. Yeah. All right. Like your trick would be uh, like a text at five forty-five in the morning. You know something? The more I think about it, RJ, you're really sharp. I'm going to stick with you. Let's go for it. I'll take half of that, F Brad. And then I'll look and it'd be like the lines like, you know, up to AFC, let's say, you know, two or something. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not confident they'll take five dimes. We will see. Well, that's, that would be excellent. We can, we can talk. Yeah. Then, yes. then, then it really will be F Brad at that point. Right. We'll, <laughs> we'll just have Brad coming in with his hat out there, you know. <laughs> you would think they'd take it on that, right? Who knows? Is Westgate the only place that has that up? I'm going to shop yeah, let's just look. Yeah, let's look, look after. But, guys, we'll, I'll put the ticket out. And um, I like this. I mean, what's even the devil's advocacy here? Even if San Fran's as good as they, they played last week, they're not better than Kansas City. No. no. And the Super Bowl, Mahomes seems to have alligator blood to me. Yeah. Right? I mean, it didn't affect him down 24 nothing. And it's just Jimmy G seems like the type that – Oh, my. they had to protect runner, man. him. Yeah, they had to protect him. He threw that critical interception right before the half. It was like, whoa, I can't go out on a limb with Jimmy G. Shanahan ultra conservative in that second half. And he just seems like the type that, that his mistakes get in his head. Yeah. And the Super Bowl was not the time for that. <laughs> no. He might end up being like, I always forget the dude's name. Who was the Bears quarterback? The Rex one? Grossman. Yeah. <laughs> that was good for him. Kind of reminds me about Rex Grossman a little bit. Like, he'll have, maybe he'll make the Super Bowl. But there's a, if you look at the quarterbacks that made the Super Bowl and didn't win, you'd be like, man, there is some kind of meritocracy here. It's like yeah. there's something about that Super Bowl that won't let an average quarterback win. And, I mean, Jimmy G's average at best, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, his QBR is like 12, yeah. right? With uh, one of the best defenses in the NFL. One of the best running games in the NFL to help him on QBR. Now, this is interesting. Mackenzie's pouring up. You know, tell, you know, when we got it, I'll do a quick read. The losing Super Bowl teams. So, Mackenzie, what I would say is when you're doing that work, do it off screen. Like, I don't want to have to be watching you because it's going to distract me. And Okay, oh, we got something here. All right, can you uh, make that a little bigger? Oh, perfect. All right, so these are the losing Super Bowl quarterbacks. Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, well, obviously Tom Brady, Matt Ryan. And, again, we're not saying that the act of losing the Super Bowl is a bad thing for you. It's a sign that there was that last – Hurdle that's so hard to jump. Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Rex Grossman, Matt Hasselbeck, Donovan McNabb, Rich Gannon, Jake DeLome, Kerry Collins, Chris Chandler, Neil O'Donnell, Stan Humphreys. I mean, this is like, that doesn't even look like an average list of quarterbacks. (laughs) But then let's just read who won it. Tom Brady. All right. The aberration of all. Nick Foles. Tom Brady. Peyton Manning. Tom Brady. Russell Wilson. Joe Flacco, who played very well that year. Eli. 
Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Big Ben, Eli, Peyton Manning, Big Ben, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. I mean, now, obviously we had the Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer, but you know you can make the case that 2003 or four is when the passing became even more important. That that run of quarterbacks versus the losing quarterbacks, oofa. Yeah, there is a difference. There is a difference. All right, so I'll tweet that at RJ in Vegas. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Well, it'd be cool as to have like Fez have like a a power innings disparity between the two quarterbacks. If the Super Bowl winning quarterback got hurt, what would the, you know oh. the adjustment be? I'm guessing three, four points more oh, on average, sh- at least. Rex Grossman and Peyton <laughs> yeah, Manning <true>. nine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's conservative. So my professional life is like at a nine, and my personal life is at like a two. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Been doing a little shopping, so I found some AFC minus ones. Uh-huh. And I, found I don't a, like that yep, as much. And I found a theoretical San Fran, uh, Kansas City. Kansas City is indeed minus one and a half in that Theo matchup. Okay, then, then I like it even better now. So why don't we do this? It's not like we're, how much can you get on the app? Well, to move the number. That's problem. what I'm saying. How much can you get? Dime. That's it. Yeah. Are you sure it moves the number? Yeah, they got my account flag. You can move any number with a limit bet on the app. Yes. Any number. Not not an NFL I, side. I bet $250 on a college well, basketball a total when they move. Hold on a second. Hmm. Ho, ho, hold on. Now make your case. Well, I just tried to make a college basketball bet. Just randomly no, no, picked a we game. Unders- what, a total? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it. They'll take $150 or whatever, okay? I'm saying, do you, do you feel like right now, if you lay one of these NFL sides, the, the line will move off your, your limit? How much do they take on the app on an NFL side? Thousand. All right. You think you're going to move that number even a penny? Mm, no. So what other scenarios won't you move the number? Like an NBA game. Let's say it's TNT, Thursday game. We're taping on Wednesday. It's a Thursday game. And whatever side, there's, you know, not, not like there's key, key numbers, right? We can debate that in the NBA. Um, let's say the Lakers are favored by four over the Clippers. You bet the Lakers it's going to four and a half. It depends. Oh, yes. That means <laughs> that's Kofor I don't want to bet. So when so you're saying you're move at college basketball totals? Yes. And that's it. Yes. <laughs> oh fast. <laughs> I thought you'd say, like, even college. I bet you might even move a college basketball side. Yeah, and an NFL. Oh, now he's changing. Yeah. And again. an NFL look ahead, obviously, yes. No, I'm not sure about that. Well, let's, why don't we do this? Here's what we're going to do. Brad, can you get can you get your iPad and tape him making the bet? Yep. All right. So this will be good. Is You know, I would say, if you don't mind, go over his shoulder right now. Let's bet the dime. We'll tape it. 
And think of it. If the line moves, we'll put now, it. Now, the embarrassing thing is I only have $900 available because the limits are so low for oh, me that there's we, no reason for me to have big balances in there. Well, it seems like having be able to take a full crack is probably <laughs> yeah. uh, probably warranted there, right? Sure. Huh. Let me see if I can. Yeah. But then it goes. Then it goes against the whole idea that that, that is Fez moving the line. Yeah. yeah. Are you able to transfer on the app between each mm-hmm. other? Mm-hmm. You think you'd be able to do that, huh? This doesn't quite seem like the scenario, Fez. That you should have been like puffing your chest. Fair enough. When you- <laughs> uh, I would have bet he would have moved the line. So I guess the question, should we make, like if we both, if you guys both put this in at the same instant, are they going to, I mean, they don't necessarily know your relationship or whatever. Oh, they get angry. They're like, well, we know what, what's going on here. You get your count suspended. Over what though is, is I'm, I'm saying would, would they necessarily, I mean, I get the idea if it's like two, like you and your wife's account mm-hmm. or something. Hmm. I'm not, you know, I don't listen. I let Steve do the execution. I mean, he's he's very good at that. So I'll trust you. I'll judge. walk up there tonight and see how much I can get down. All right. Yeah, I, I think let's go up to you know let's go up right. to. I'll I'll do it. No, no, no. Let's let him do oh, it. Oh, I mean, I like you're that. just talking about how you're the booking faces. Ah, here comes Fez. Ah, ah, ah! Run for the hills. Ah, lower the limits. Circle, circle all the games. <laughs> You think they have like a an execute like an F five they hit that, that all the games get circled when you walk in, Steve? <laughs> yes or no? No. <laughs> what do you think of all this, Brad? I think Fe- it's funny, Fez. You're 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 folding a little too much. You're getting a little too scared. Well, there's nothing for him. To, I mean, him having nine like having like uh, table scraps in the account. Yeah. But I get it. You think you got to wonder is why would that be the time he'd talk about like, hey, we got a – I don't know what they'll let me have on this thing. I'm Steve Fezzik. It's like, well, let's put the dime down. Well, actually, um, I don't don't have a dime in the account on the balance. I was actually going to go there before the show, but I was so diligent in my preparation for this podcast. I didn't – it did not afford me enough time. Walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. (laughs) Will you have to go in? Will you have to go in disguise? No, <laughs> disguise doesn't work when everyone knows. If they see my hair, I better wear a hat right off the bat. Right, the cowboy boots, cowboy <laughs> hat. Walked around, a lot of action that week. A lot of action. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna make the bet, <laughs> Fez. If, if we have to front Fez or not, <laughs> I do give him credit. How many would he give you? Fifteen? Oh uh, no, two. All right. Yeah, Fez did whip out his roll and yeah. throw two thousand at Brad. Now what would have been cooler. I'm always a fan of the people that have and this is what I do when I have a you know a big roll on me, is I have them wrapped up in thousands, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine you've got like five thousand with five thousand each individual thousand, then one rubber band over it, and then another let's say you got ten. So now you got 10,000, 10 1,000s, and two five little packets, 
and then you pour it out, and it's easy. There's no counting it out. You know, throughout the two. Hand Brad the brick. You've right. seen that before, right? Sure. That's that. That to me is the guy that's very comfortable mm-hmm. with the role. Now, I just enjoy sitting in front of the TV counting money. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, that that's part of the reason I do it that way, right? So, I will give you credit too, Brad. Is there was a time what about seven eight weeks ago, and welcome to Mirage, Mister Papa Giorgio. We were doing something. You're like, oh, I don't have any money on me, and I'm like, Brad, you got more. You got. You're trying to figure out what bank account to put it in, what offshore account. It's like just put five thousand in your pocket. I don't think I've seen this dude without five thousand mm-hmm. cents, except today. Well, but, <laughs> but I have it. Yeah, hasn't that felt good? Feels real good. Because, like I always say, you never know when a poker game is going to break out. I mean, like, who knows? Someone might walk in today and want to play. All right? You got to have your money. (laughs) Yeah. I give you credit, Brad. I mean, he's, I I guess it's like, he's just like a sponge. You're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to uh, suck it all up. That's right. what the teachers would always accuse me of. Accuse you of? Well, not, it sounds like that's like, what they would want, right? Yeah, but I, they, they I got in trouble. You, they wanted you to absorb less? In CCD catechism classes, yes. I got in trouble for asking too many questions. Wow. Yeah, if you ask, was, was Mary really a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the game. So Kansas City actually... Played the Packers, and that was a game in which Mahomes was out. So if you're kind of looking, trying to think about how good, and obviously we'll get to the Green Bay game, it's important to know that was one of those games. Fez, also important to know, you know, you were at the forefront of once Mahomes or as Mahomes got healthy, that Kansas City is better than people thought, and the rationale being offense is as good, if not better. He'll back a point or so. What's his name? The giraffe? The cheetah. The cheetah. The giraffe. <laughs> it's not tall. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Ever since the Howard Cosell thing, I, I'm not about naming, you know, like Ooh. relating animals yeah. to mm. people. But the ostrich, that was the dude, right? Osweiler. Right. Okay. Yep. And. <laughs> You also made the case, look at this defense. And it's like, well, how do we know this defense that we've seen recently is the more real version? And, Brad, the analogy here is in college football you see when there's a scheme change. Yeah, so usually there's a lot of optimism early on with a scheme change. Why? Because usually when you bring in that new offensive or defensive corner, why are you bringing him in? Because you got rid of the pass guy. You fired him because he wasn't so good. Now you're bringing a new guy. There's excitement. There's a lot of confidence. And what do we usually see? All those first three, four games, there's an adjustment period. So what usually happens is all that optimism you had early, usually you don't meet those expectations. Backlash. Backlash. So then there's like a next three, four games. As it's starting to get a little bit better, it's leveling off a little bit, but people have lost so much with that enthusiasm for the scheme change that they back off. And that's when the turn happens. And that team starts, you know, finally adjusting to that scheme, and they start showing improvement. But the reality is, people have already jumped off the bandwagon. Now that would be the time to jump on is later in the season. Let's question our assumptions. Oh, finish up on the D, Fez. Where do you have Kansas City right now, ranked one to thirty-two on defense? Number eight. 
So it was eight last week. No upgrade from no upgrade. They weird it seems game. like you would make the case that the Kansas City's defense played exceptionally well in that game, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but yes, but they did give up four hundred yards. Okay, okay. Tannehill, I've got a thought. How good is Tannehill? Because I, I totally get the idea that people had hmm, big uh, uncertainty about him. I, I mean, he was a backup for a reason. The game before he started, they decided to have one more game of Marietta. It's not like Tennessee had some great optimism about him. They could have easily had Marietta, Mariota, whatever, start two games. And if it didn't work out, boom. And they waited and waited. And it was such a surprise about Tannehill doing well, that I think we just all thought Tannehill better than we thought. But how good is he? Where does he rank 1-32? to 32? Like, Give me some contact. I have him number 11. His QBR, well, was, high. His QBR was number 10. And as far as... Yeah, but QBR, how, how contingent, contingent is that to the game situations? Right? Is, Tennessee's been... In control, or a minimum, Tennessee hasn't played from behind very much. Yeah, but one game in particular, they did play from behind. And I know this is a small sample, but when they played Kansas City, remember, that was the game that Tennessee trailed by three with uh, just a little over a minute left. And Tannehill so brought that's them. playing from behind. Yes. But, I mean, that's a – okay. But but the fact he was able to do that against that Chiefs defense, which I've been talking about how it's gotten better. And but, I mean, is, Fitzpatrick would do that. Very easily. I mean, uh, about at a decent frequency, That's right? That's a good point. Yeah. They were down nine in that game late third quarter. All right. All right. You know, further Tannehill, he wasn't very good his first two games. Remember, Tennessee had that horrible game against Denver. They lose 16 to nothing. They swap out quarterbacks. And Tannehill's first two QBRs are 10 and 41. He's pretty average. Uh, not average. He's bad. His first well, two 41's games. low blow average, 10's horrible. Right, and, but, and since then, he's been like the number six quarterback in the league. How did you do that analysis? I think I read it somewhere. I just didn't, I don't recall where I read it from. But, you, okay. Um, I think there's more questions about Tannehill than are being asked. Because I agree, it sounds like down nine, come back when they get, you know, both, you know, don't cause a major problem there, meaning you can throw one pick six and the game's over, and then be in a position to have a final winning drive in doing it. Got to give them a thumbs up, no doubt. Yep. Now, at what point, this was during Kansas City's, what week was that game? I believe it was week nine. It was his first, Mahomes' first game Ten. back. From yeah, his yeah. kneecap injury. Okay. All right, so first game back. And, and what game was it for Tannehill? Do not know. i got to look it so up. So you were saying the game against Denver was the horrible game? No, that uh, was actually Mariota played the horrible exactly. game. Exactly, okay. Yeah. So the next game was the Chargers, Tampa, Carolina. So that was game four for Tannehill. Hmm. All right. And then I guess the question is, where is that? So week 10 is the beginning of that Kansas City defense getting yeah, better. Yeah, since then. Yep, since that game. Oh, so that's the game we're still saying that they hadn't tur- made and the turn the yet. that's the concern because Derrick Henry ran for 100, about 180 yards in that game. So we have an example here where these both games are rematches, 
All right. Yeah. So what when we add it up, what do we say about the first matchup between Tennessee and Kansas City? Kansas City's offense rolled 530 total yards. And remember, that was when Mahomes clearly... Balk scores by Steve Fazek. Yeah, well, Mahomes was remorse. First game back from the kneecap, so he was being a, a little bit tentative versus as he is now. The fact that KC was able to get 530 makes me optimistic but, but about I Kansas City, the, though. I thought the reason we always figured out when a guy got injured by his performance, like we always made it where he played well, he must be healthy again. Or he played bad, he must be hurt. Right? Like, so in this case, you're saying, but he was hurt, but he played really well. But how do we know how hurt he was? We don't. And how do we know he didn't get banged up in practice the next week? And it felt like one long injury, but it was he aggravated it. Right? Yeah. That's why I hate just assuming about injuries. If mm. you play, you play. All right? You don't play, you don't play. I, I, I think it's too, there's enough opportunity for uh, uh, imposing our. Our narratives on things. I mean, to some degree, the beauty of numbers is they're objective. But somehow you magically it's <laughs> you magically want every number to have a story beyond its number, right? It just seems to go so against your whole narrative about about as Mahomes got healthier, you know, is, is when we're seeing the truth of Kansas City, except he had a monster game here, right? Yes. So let's agree to the following. There's a chance you're right. There's a chance that this was a compromised and limited Mahomes. And if so, tearing up this Tennessee defense is very impressive because we the Mahomes today isn't limited. Yes. The other scenario is Mahomes was 100% and he's 100% now, so it's still telling. So was this both? This was both points and yards. Like this was just total offensive success. Yes. All right. And then Tennessee ran the heck out of the ball. Yeah, Derrick Henry had 188 yards. I will say, with about 90 seconds left, Kansas City's you know win probability was 95 percent, and yet they lost the game. Okay. So what does that say? Well, I think it was a little misleading because a lot of people I'm reading all week, well, Tennessee had great success against Kansas City in the first meeting. I'm but not... they had great success offensively regardless, yes, right? they did. Yeah. So however the end of the game went to to have a – in this game, and that game was uh, – let me see. I can't – let me see. This game was in Tennessee. Yes. Okay. 35. So maybe this speaks to the total, huh? Exactly, because yeah. I want to play under in this game, RJ. But this game scares me because there's been, there was just so much offensive production in their first meeting. Has, how has Kansas City done against the run other than this Henry game? What do we got for football outsiders? Number 29 Kansas City is. Not good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Could have been 30, 31, or 32. But no, 29 is not good. And we know for a fact Tennessee knows how to gash them. But the number feels inflated. So we were doing the analysis, the total last week, which we loved over. And if you actually look at the performance on offense and defense between Tennessee and Houston, we thought that all things equal, the total should have done what week to week? That the total should have gone down because Tennessee's defense is so much better than Houston's defense. So like two to three points, we were thinking. Yes. But it's gone up how many points? Gone up two points. It's 53. 
So now the question is, some of that's what we saw from the Kansas City offense. Some of that is what we saw in the first matchup, I think, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So net-net, what's your total? It's kind of like there's a valid point here, there's a valid point the other way. You're not playing it. Is that how you see it? Yeah, it's a pass. Lean under 53. But see, that's the thing. You'll say lean because you don't have to risk anything. So under that theory, you'd want to bet 300 at even money. Oh, yes. Really? What's the market? Brad? It's moving up. What are you saying? We're seeing some 53 and a half popping. All right. Right, Fez? No, I'm not seeing that. I'm really? Mackenzie, I give me a market read. 52 and a half. And put it up on the screen. I may be pressing the button on your fence. It would sound like this. Oh, no. We shouldn't do that. <laughs> we shouldn't do that. All right. So, Steve, are you looking at my screen right now? It's like his eyes pop. That's my screen. Don't look. Oh. Don't look. Look at your little screen. All right. So, Steve, there's a 52 at win. So, why don't we agree? Why don't we go 52 and a half? More than fair. All right. I have a feeling. First of all, would we? You like Kansas City here, right? I do. So let's assume you're right. You still like you still like the under. It's a great question mm. in terms of correlations. <laughs> what do you mean, great question? Kansas City could put up fifty. Given Kansas City covers, yeah, may you, some may perceive that to be an inconsistent um, approach, but fifty-two and a half so high. Kansas City can get a whole bunch of points. Really depends what Derrick Henry is going to do. What's going on in your world, right? I just checked like fifteen bucks and no fifty three and a half. So I don't know what I was seeing. A ghost. <laughs> That's All horrible. Right. So we got our bet. Who, if you were forced to bet at fifty two and a half, what would you bet? Under. Really? Yeah. So I'll the bet. first game. The first game. Just ignoring it. <laughs> like it doesn't count. <laughs> it's a factor, but not enough to keep me off of it. Well, listen, I if you if you, I'm 300 in right now, if you if you if we make it 52, I'll give you another three. It's up okay. to you. I'll take it. Now here's the concept, and I know we've had a lot of new listeners recently. Is at no vig in theory, as long as you weren't betting. Uh, an amount that was too big for your bankroll, you would bet 50, you know, think about craps, right? So don't pass with a max, you know, even 10 to 1 free odds. I mean, you're, you, uh, the house's edge is like 0.18 or something, right? Yeah. So, and they're there. <laughs> is that the right number? Yeah. They're there, and they're there, and they're there taking bets, and they're happy. Books, I mean, the, the casinos are fine with it. So if I believe it's even a smidge above, you know, let's just say with the Brad bat. If I believe the total should be 50, um, 52 with uh, over minus 101 in a no-vig scenario, I, I want to make that bet. And, Brad, you believe that, that, you know, it should be lower than that. I just – I don't see – it's it's obviously part of my handicap last week – was I felt like Houston was a fugazi. And I felt like Deshaun Watson 
would fight. I, I think there'd be a couple of junk touch. I mean, to me, the scenario was a couple of junk touchdowns. What is the scenario? Now, I get the whole thing. Oh, that was 51. Now it's 52. Right. But otherwise, what is it about this game that makes you you guys all bet my big total last week? Yep. What is it that makes you like the under here? Other than a gut instinct of, oh, it went over so much. Oh, you know, Barney at the bar is going to be on the over, so I won't be on the under. Well, the, it's colder. It's 23 degrees. So you, you believe that 23 degrees is going to affect about this game that makes you – you guys all bet my big total last week. Yep. What is it that makes you like the under here? Other than a gut instinct of, oh, it went over so much. Oh, you know, Barney at the bar is going to be on the over, so I won't be on the under. Well, the, it's colder. It's 23 degrees. So you, you believe that 23 degrees is going to affect the, the scoring? That yes. Literally, literally with all the space heaters on the sidelines, the heated field, and all that stuff, that it's going to be like, my hands are cold. Let's run the ball and go home. It, it's probably worth the point versus 33 degrees. Uh, okay, okay. And what else? Because you do realize the total last week went to what, how many points were scored? 90 or whatever? 82. The, the, the irony is it middled on that 52. We're talking, oh, no, that's the first half, not, not, <laughs> exactly. the, not the game. So let's say you might be right about the point. What else? I think – now, I could make the case – that Tannehill from behind, if you were looking at his points, you could make the case that he wouldn't be as effective. But I also think he's going to be the type to get strip sacked, or he's going to be the type to throw a pick six. And and I don't think Tennessee gives up. I, my, my handicap is that Tennessee has had such success pounding Derrick Henry against the Patriots. So you do understand you like Kansas City here, right? I understand. So if the take is going to be Tennessee's going to control the game no, and the keep ten- it really low scoring. It's not my take. My take is that Tennessee is going to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry the entire first half because they've had such great success the first two games, and that's not conducive to the over. Mm-hmm. And how? what kind of success did they have in the first game, Henry? How many yards? 188. And how many points did they score? 35. I mean, combined, how many points? 67. Yeah, so first game, 49. Now, what's that's an interesting exercise. What's changed between this game, the first matchup? Obviously, the D's gotten better for Kansas City. Just as obviously, Tannehill's got more reps of, like, at least competency, right, which is a— up arrow. I question how good, but okay. And then Mahomes was supposedly hindered here, right? Hobbled. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know how healthy Mahomes was gonna be coming back from the kneecap injury. This was the first game back. First one. Okay. So I mean it's kinda hard to say that it shouldn't be a little bit higher, right? Then you add in Henry's success, it's kinda hard to say it wouldn't be a little bit higher. I think I don't think you can like the over if you like Tennessee. And I don't think you can like the under if you like Kansas City. That's what I don't get. You like Kansas City, you like Kansas City, and you're thinking low scoring game. So you must like do you love Kansas City like on a pleaser? Do you think like would you love them like, you know, minus twenty four with, you know, a jumbo payout? I do. I think there's a good chance for a blowout here. 
And I wonder if it still doesn't help the over because, I, I mean, I, I mean, Tennessee doesn't quit, right? No, no way. Well, in the championship game. And Vrabel, you know, fight, yeah. fight. I could see him running, you know, fake punts in the fourth down 30. So, in general, if the favorite covers, I guess I'm trying to get some feedback here, Steve. It seems like your bet is contradictory to liking. I mean, anytime I like the under in the favor and it's a touchdown. Kansas City's defense has been so good the past six weeks, and I do think that there's a legitimate chance that Derrick Henry, despite being Superman, is suddenly going to have an average game but, of yards but hold per on carry. a second. If he has an average game, doesn't that help the over? I thought your other concern was he'd take the game over. So which one is it? If he has an average game, that means they're now passing, right? No, I th- no, I think they're still handing it off to him left and right, getting, and, getting and four yards per carry down 20, instead of five. You think they're down 21-3? And and with eight minutes left in the second quarter, and they're just hand the ball, boom, boom, boom. At that point, they'll throw. So, so you, the whole premise here is this is a low scoring first half for Tennessee. But you just said that if Kansas City gets up big, Tennessee is going to be throwing in the second half. And but they won't throw in the first half. Even I if don't they're think down big. I correct. I think Tennessee will pound the rock, even if they were down twenty to nothing in the second quarter. Then you got to love Derrick Henry over then. I think I do like What do you Derrick mean you Henry. think you do? Do you or don't you? It's the way I would look to bet. It's at 110 I, yards. No, no. When you love something, it's not the way you would look to bet. Explain to me under your theory how Henry doesn't get, even if he's only getting a half less yard per carry, how doesn't Henry get 100 and what's the current number? 110. How doesn't he get 110 if he just gets fed the ball regardless? If Tennessee gets down twenty four in the but third we quarter, just, oh, oh, okay. But you, it sounds like you would have been fat enough that that, like your positions on this game seem contradictory to me. Does it seem so to you, Brad? Problem is, I'm in the same boat so because I to like help him out. I, you got to like Derrick Henry over. I mean, if, if you're leaning towards Tennessee, you got to like Derrick Henry over. If you're thinking lower scoring game, and one of your reasons is. Hey, Tennessee's going to be wanting to work the clock a little bit. Well, that, you know, to me, portrays to Derrick Henry over. I think we've got a situation here where the market doesn't know how to price accordingly. I, I don't understand how they scored 30 some points, each of them, in the last game. And there's this thought that Tennessee wants it to be some low scoring game. Tennessee won a, a shootout. Like, what makes them scared of a shootout here? I'm not saying that they won it. I'm saying you're acting like they don't want it as much as any team. They, they, they dislike the idea of a shootout as much as any team dislikes any game scenario in the last five years, it sounds like. Except they just want a shootout with the same team, right? So yes. why would they be so scared of it? I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I don't understand why. Because in the playoffs, I just saw Tennessee beat New England essentially 14-13, to 13, scored on the final play of the game then. Oh. Okay, what was so we're comparing New England with the uh, an inept offense and the best defense and saying Tennessee played a game against them that was low variance, running the ball and controlled the game. I get it, but so that's what we assume happens every game for them. Well, I'm confident that that's what their game plan is going to be in the first half, and that is not conducive to an over. And you got to bring up a great point. The whole the second half, this may all flip on itself, and all of a sudden Tennessee absolutely is going to be throwing the ball in the second half if they're down by 17, 20 points. 
Okay, so maybe I hedge myself. What, what do you see for the first half? Now, we actually got snake bit on that with Green Bay, right? It was 23 and it went 24. What are you saying? 25 and a half for the total. And what would you expect? No assumptions about Derrick Henry, like based upon a total of 52 and a half. Yeah, 26. And what do we got? 25 and a half. So we're actually getting rooked. Yeah, but 20, yeah, yeah, a little bit. So is there any 26 out there? It's all over the place. There's 25 and a half, there's 26 and a half. So that's a good number. Can you get me, let me think, we bet 600 here. Can you get me six on the under? See, this is a hedge, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, under. I, my, my eyes are failing me. It's 25 and a half. I misread it. Your eyes are failing you? you you're <laughs> There's only one? All right. I think I really like the way this is going to go. This will be a good, uh, as the clock's ticking here, and unfortunately I hit a deadline, I'm going to let these guys finish the pod. But I particularly like that I think the value in the first I think it's hard to like the second half of this under. I can see liking the first half under. Now, this might seem like a strange bet because we can do 600 at even money, Steve, at 25 and a half. Put it in right now. All right. $500 limit. 500 Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll have a little extra exposure on the one side. A $500 limit. What's the limit? Yeah. On, on an NFL total. Oh, I guess it's first half. Okay. So let's think about this bet here. That was even money, which is commensurate with six, if not a little better, or 26, if not a little better, right? Yes. And I love this because the only way for me to lose both bets, the only way is somehow there's a bunch of scoring in the first half and then the second half just slows down. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't. And... I could now that's it could happen, no doubt, but doesn't it go the other way so much more? You know, yeah, it tw- does 21 24 in the first half, ideally. Yeah, and you see so often you get those 10 7 games, and then all hell suddenly breaks loose in that third quarter. Third quarter is higher scoring than first. We saw quarters. it in last year's AFC championship game. What was that? The, the first half, what total like three points? The game went over the total, and let's hope for sure. Let's hope for sure that. Steve's right about that pounding Henry, no matter what the score is. Boom, boom, boom. I love that. Now, you guys, let's think about this. You'd have to go over in the first, which doesn't work at all, does it? Oh, no, I like the first half under. I think the logic is there. And by the way, for those out there, so, you know, this is, you know, a hedge fund got the name because they do, they actually would make bets that are inversely correlate or, um, yeah, inversely correlated, but they felt like that both winning were more like, it's like saying, I'm very optimistic on soybeans, so I'm going to go over, you know, buy long soybeans. But then I think there's a 4% chance there's going to be a monsoon in Britain or whatever. I don't know much about soybeans. And that monsoon would cause soybeans to crash in Britain. So I will go under or sell soybeans. So the theory is if all things are equal, you're just going to lose your transaction cost because you're making two bets. But if you're right and 4% of the time there's a monsoon, you have a monster win. 
Yeah. It's a very rudimentary, and not that I'm like a deep hedge fund like level trader, but just understanding the rudimentary, the rudiments of it. I think this is a situation where I probably split out most of the time. All right. But if it goes over in the first, I feel great about my second bet. If it goes under in the first, I still think I'm alive in the second bet, much more so. I agree. Now, for those that don't have both pieces, and obviously I'm betting no VIG with you guys. I got a slightly better number with Brad than the market. Oh, that'd be funny if it fell 52. I, I'll take that right now. Fall 52 collect, and win the mm-hmm. first. Oh, I, I'll take that. The uh, Steve, do you like, do you make it a bet? Is it bettable for you, the under in the first half? Yes. So you have a you know, lean on the game, but you like it under first half. Correct, for all the reasons we've discussed. All right. Yes, thanks for the help on that. Brad. Do you like the under? I like the under in the first half, certainly much more than full game because Excellent. of what you just said. <laughs> All, right. All right. So I'm going to brain dump real quick on the next game so uh, you guys have my stuff. Is uh, Remember, straight out of Vegas, and obviously we never hold stuff back here for straight out of Vegas, but this is an unusual situation. An act of God, you could say. Now... I wonder about why San Francisco played so well on defense. The The mainstream narrative is they got their guys back. Alexander, oh, he's, oh, he's good. Ah. Steve, you looked at it, and I thought this was good work going in and pro football focus level stuff. How was the game grades on the two main players coming back that you that you noted as being important. Game grades were mediocre at best. Quan Alexander, middle linebacker, he only played fifty four percent of the snaps. His grade was a fifty eight. A replacement player is sixty to sixty nine, so not good. D Ford, he only played forty eight percent of the snaps, and his grade sixty one. Again, not a good grade. D Ford's grade, by contrast, over the course of the year was an eighty three year to date in the other games. Now. You bring back injured players. They play well below expectation, but the defense has a dominating performance. Why? Now, you've got, I think, a, a very solid rationale. Share it. My point's going to be I'm not sure he's right. I'm not sure this isn't just an aberration, or I'm not sure there wasn't some other matchup issue that is too deep in the weeds for us to discern that maybe affected things. But your thought is that the San Francisco defense was tired. This is a team that had their bye before, week before in the games prior to this. Yes, late in the year because their bye week was week 4. Every other playoff team in the NFL had their bye week week 8 or later. So San Francisco got it week 4 and the eye test certainly looked at this team's defense and it looked like they were getting pushed around, looked like they were not fresh at the latter end of the year and that changed completely against the Vikings. And you bring up a good point. Was it the San Francisco defense? Was it Kirk Cousins led offense? Was it a combination? We can't be sure. No. And if if it's anything but what you or if it's anything but something that's repeatable this week, then what do we got? We got a a, a team that in the prior nine games gave up twenty six points a yep, game. Yeah, twenty six points per game. 
that team shouldn't be laying points here, right? Now, additionally, you've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got the fact that San Francisco played this game so well when they did match up uh, with Green Bay before. And this was actually in the midst of a bad defensive run. So you can impute out based on the side in total what the expected score is, right? So imagine it's 44 minus 4. It's supposed to be 24-20, right? Is the three games prior to the Green Bay-San Francisco game, the defense for San Francisco gave up more points than expected. Then they played Green Bay and they you know, stopped them strong. Then they went San Fran and played Baltimore. That was a very defensive game. Windy, rainy. Yep. We can make excuses. Who knows, right? And then the three games after, the offense of the opposing teams also outscored expectations significantly. So, like, this is one of two games sitting in the middle of eight games that was like, wow, the defense is back. And it's just like, well, no, maybe it's that or, you know, some aberration. Or maybe it's the fact that literally Green Bay matches up so poorly against San Francisco. And I think that's likely given, and you you outlined it well, nine games for San Francisco, they give up 20 or more points in every game but one. Yet somehow when they played Green Bay, Green Bay only gets eight points and Green Bay gets less than three yards per play. That is an outlier that's so extreme, you got to feel there's some matchups involved. No, I, I think your instincts are exactly right, Steve Fazek. I'm R.J. Bell, Brad Powers. San Fran- this is from the Hitman, Tommy the Hitman. He's a school teacher. His first name's Tommy. He goes by the Hitman, by his choice. That's fair to say, wouldn't you say, Brad? By his choice? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tried to give that him the name Hitman, and he accepted it. Yeah, he did. He accepted it. So... San Francisco brings pressure. Green Bay struggles against it. The 49ers finished the season second in the league in pressure rate. Now, obviously, we know all the talk about the pedigreed defensive line, but, huh, it just seems like another matchup consideration, positive for San Fran, negative for Green Bay. I would make the following case, and I think this is under-discussed. There's certain game uh, scenarios that benefit one team more than the other, right? We talked about it. Is If you like Tennessee, you probably want to look on the money or, you know, you want to look more on the money line because if it's a tight game, they get to play their game. If they're behind, they're not playing their game. I think that's more the case here where if you like Green Bay, whew, you got to like the money line because – not only Green Bay runs the ball so much more than they used to, where last year, and this is with LaFleur, last year Green Bay was number one when it came to percentage of passes or offensive plays that were passes, right? How much they threw the ball. This year they're number 17. So they're below average where they run more than average. They pass less than average Green Bay. Last year they passed the most. And the efficiency of the offense is almost the same. So you just effectively have said, we're going to run a lot more, but be equally efficient, which is a great thing. And if you get the lead a little, you know, seven-point lead, three-point lead, they're going to be so much better than they were in years past. But then you got Jimmy G. And, Brad, I think you're as big a skeptic as I've seen on Jimmy G, but 
They're down three with the ball. Oh, no. I, I just I don't trust them. I don't even think Kyle Shanahan has complete trust because, you know, they let it open. They had a, a nice lead last week against Minnesota. They let Jimmy G throw a ball at the end of the first half. What does he do? He throws a bad pick, you know, doesn't look off the linebacker. And yet, what do we see in that second half? We saw a lot of conservative uh, play calling from San Francisco. I, I can't trust Jimmy G, especially in a tight game with everything on the line. And across the other sideline is Aaron freaking Rodgers. You got to wonder though, his con- like in a weird way, you would think his his confidence would be a sign that you know pressure on, no problem. Yeah, when he looks at himself in the mirror every day, uh, how could you not be confident being but, Jimmy but G? How doesn't that come across? That's what I'm saying. How does it not come across? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Maybe there's some jealousy there on why I don't trust him. This guy's got an attitude. An attitude is good. Good face. Good job. Not an ugly girlfriend. Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. Hey. He's got the looks. He's ready to play the part. I'm just saying. His girlfriend is a six at best. <laughs> Right, so I mean, Jimmy G doesn't have that problem. No, though I wasn't a big fan of that porn star. That's what I mean, though. Why, if you're Jimmy G, why do you got to go to a porn star? Well, first off, a porn star is not a prostitute. That's true. Right. So now you're saying, if you're Jimmy G, why go to a girl who makes her living having sex? It sounds like if you want to have a fling, that's the person to go to, Fair right? Enough. And then. If you add in, and again, I'm not up on all the different statues in the various states, but they, they do get tested pretty stringently, <laughs> right? So in a weird way, a porn star, if you're looking for a dalliance, seems to fit the bill A to Z. Now, Fair enough. if it were me, it wouldn't be a, a big bone 40-year-old porn star. I mean, that's just, we all got our preferences, but... <laughs> Faz, what do you think of Jimmy G? I mean, if you got, do you trust him less in a tight game? Yes. And let's face it, first time playoff start, he got a layup against the Vikings. Vikings couldn't move the ball at all against that San Francisco defense, so there was never any pressure on him. So this really will be the first time, if this game's close, how is Jimmy G going to respond to playoff pressure? I will bet Green Bay in no situations. I have no interest in Green Bay. Green Bay has been outgained on the season. Stats matter. Stats matter. And Green Bay has been outgained more in the last eight games of the regular season than the first eight. So, if anything, they they got worse at it. Now, Matt LaFleur has done very well against the spread. But it's it's one season. And Shanahan's an elite coach. Last question for me. LaFleur... It was three different organizations, Mackenzie? Yeah, that's right. Was under Shanahan, right? Quality control assistant, whatever, whatever. And I'm the believer that the better coach benefits more from being familiar with another coach. How are you guys valuing Shanahan's history with, as Stephen A. would say, La Flor? (laughs) Certainly an advantage to Shanahan. We see this at the college level, like Nick Saban against his former assistants. The superior coach, that being Nick Saban, has great success over guys that he's you know familiar with that coached under him. 
Fez? And I think, RJ, you used the chess analogy, which I love, that you've got like one player that's rated 300 points higher than another player. If they're complete strangers, hey, there can be an upset. But when these guys know each other and they played each other all the time, the better player always wins because um, the familiarity lends itself to the master beating the expert. I would think so. So you got to wonder, right? I just know if Mackenzie and I were going for the same job at Associated Press. Oh, wait, I'm already the official odds provider. But let's say there was some job I was going for. I'd be happy I knew about Mackenzie's quirk. Who knows? I could say a couple of things, and he'd be, like, in the corner, like, kicking the wall or something. I mean, like, <laughs> that'd be funny, right? If you were, like, going for a job interview, but it was, like, two people at once, the two competitors, but one had, like, some big psychological... You know, like, Homer Simpson was one of them, and there was some brainiac that's the other, and somehow they, like, say, Homer, did, did I see... Was there a donut truck going by? You know, like, Homer leaves the job interview. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, boys. Brad Powers taking over as host. You guys are going to hash this out. We got a few. Hitman's got some stuff. Yep. Uh, Di- Diamond Dave's his name. Diamond Dave Esler. Yep. Dave Winning underscore- since Moses was in short pants. That's Diamond a, Dave. You know, Moses was in short pants. I actually like that because I always struggle a little when it's like since Moses wore short pants. It kind of slows you okay. down. Since Moses was in short pants. Damn, see, you're already improving things. <laughs> I don't know about that. And you're going to get to hear Brad. We got, is there a commercial this week? Yeah. Oh, great. Brad's going to get to do a commercial. Is it Manscaped again? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, that was wonderful. Mm. That was wonderful. All right, boys, this should be good. Our old friends at BetDSI. With the NFL playoffs rolling along as we head into the conference championship games, if you guys are looking to add some excitement, Make BetDSI your betting partner. You can use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games until the final whistle. Remember, new members, get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. That's double your money to start winning today. So, guys, why do you choose BetDSI? I'll tell you why. BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. BetDSI is top rating on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. Not yesterday, not today. We're talking this upcoming week on the two biggest games. BetDSI has a very user-friendly interface and a mobile site. They have the fastest payouts in the industry. It's simple. You play, you win, you get paid. BetDSI also offers betting options for everything. I'm talking you can bet on the NFL, the NBA, NHL, boxing, all the major sports, even politics, reality TV. Fez is a big Survivor fan. He likes to bet on the winner on that one all the way back to the Richard Hatch days 20 years ago. You can even bet on eSports, virtually everything. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish. Every play and every minute until the very end. Remember... New members get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code BELL101 and get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Remember, it's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Green Bay San Fran here. Seven and a half the line. What are you seeing for a total? 45 and a half? Yes. All right. Who are you liking in this game? 
like San Fran here, it's all about Green Bay being overrated. RJ spoke about the underlying stats, how they've been outgained for the year. You know, all year long we've talked about Seattle, Fugazi, Seattle, eleven and two in close games. Well, look at Green Bay, nine and one now in close games decided by one score or less. Yes, Green Bay is fourteen and three, but that they really are more like a ten and seventeen. That's just one all of these close games. And I really think that the San Francisco defense against Minnesota was not an aberration. I think that they benefited so much from that week, having a bye where they'd had to play since week four without one. That defense looked fresh. It was flying around. Now, it certainly helps to have gotten a few guys back, three starters no, in That's your confidence level. It made sense that they were tired. You're shorthanded. You're down a bunch of starters. And even though Quan Alexander did not have a big stat game, the – in the locker room, a lot of guys were like, boy, it was just a big, big emotional lift to have him back with the team. I like the 49ers. Yeah, and it wasn't just you know a good defensive performance. It was like an historic one for the 49ers. I mean, they gave up the fewest yards that they ever had in the history of the franchise as far as the playoffs go. Last I checked, the 49ers have played in a few playoff games, right, Fez? Yes. They've had a couple of good defenses. I, mean, I remember a guy, maybe Ronnie Lott or two, and yet that was their best defensive performance as far as yards given up in any playoff game ever. So to me, I want to lean. I think that's more like the San Francisco defense that we saw the first seven games of the season. One other thing that I'll say is you look at San Francisco at home this year. Now, I, I never consider Levi Stadium to be an overwhelming, you know, great you know, home venue or where, where it's a huge advantage for the 49ers. I think a more playing surface being compromised from time to time as far as that field. But at home this year, the 49ers outscored their opponents by 13 points per game. That was best. Number one in the NFL, outgaining their opponents by more than 100 yards per game. And we saw a lot of dominant performances. The Monday night game against the Browns, the Carolina game where Carolina, I mean, had some confidence coming to that one. They just squashed the Panthers. We saw it, obviously, in the first matchup between these two teams. Uh, you know, a squash job by, by the 49ers. And even Historic, last week, historical squash job. Yes. Seven and a half yards per play for the 49ers. 2.8 for Green Bay. Uh, our own Mackenzie Rivers confirmed this is the second biggest disparity in yards per play of the entire NFL year. you got to feel there's matchups going on. Yeah, and Rodgers averaged 3.2 yards per pass attempt. Per pass attempt. Second lowest of his career. you got to think there's some matchup issues there. I like San Francisco. You like San Francisco as well? Yes. Do we have anything on the total, really? Nothing. I don't have a strong opinion either. Who does have a strong opinion, though? It's our very own Tommy the Hitman, who, with this game, along with the Kansas City game, he likes the teaser. Oh, boy, I liked the teaser last week. Let's hear Hitman give out his best bet, a six-point teaser. Best bet. We're going to six-point tease the 49ers with the Chiefs through the key numbers of seven and three down to one and a half. The Chiefs are on a dominant run since Patrick Mahomes has finally gotten healthy as they've won their last seven games by a touchdown or more. The Titans' offense this postseason has the second lowest scoring rate of any team, and the Chiefs are finally an offense that can take them out of their comfort zone and force Tannehill to throw from behind. The Packers, on the road this season, 29th in net yards per play differential, while San Francisco is the best home team in the league in scoring differential this season. 
Green Bay, 15th in weighted DVOA, and statistically they struggle against strong pass rush teams, which is a huge concern as San Francisco is number one in the NFL in pressure rate. San Francisco versus the Chiefs Super Bowl is coming our way. All right, that's the Hitman with a six-point teaser on San Francisco and Kansas City, Fez. I have to think that this is going to be one of the biggest... I think the books are not hoping for this teaser to cash. Let's just put it that way. I would have to say they have more liability on this six-point teaser on Kansas City and San Francisco this week than maybe any teaser ever. Is that a safe assumption? You have two... I mean, Yes, you, however, okay. however... What would be the number two teaser that they had exposure on? Well, that would have been Baltimore and Kansas City last week. So Fair the enough. book and betters had to lay a dollar forty to win a dollar. So if a million dollars was bet on that, and a lot more than that was bet, there's one point four million in the book's coffers already to uh, withstand any hit they take from this teaser. Good point. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm Brad Powers. We got Matt, Matty C. Do you like Matty C. Matt? What do you like? What do you prefer? Uh, Maddie C is fine. That's what my friends call me. Okay. Maddie C. I like that. Mackenzie's in the house. How about Diamond Dave Essler? Also with a pick on this game. Dave's been winning since Moses was in short pants. I almost blew that. Dave's been winning. I mean, he's just won another game, I think, in college basketball tonight that he gives out on the podcast. Dave, take it away. NFC Championship. Green Bay, San Francisco, first half over 22.5 points. And if that's going to happen, we don't want field goals. The Packers are second in the league in red zone offense. They were 3-3 last week. The 49ers are in the middle somewhere, but the Packers' defense led Seattle score three TDs and three tries and are allowing 83% red zone TDs in the last three games. We don't want red zone turnovers. Rodgers in the red zone, 16 TDs, two picks. Garoppolo in the red zone, 16 TDs, two picks. We don't want punts. 49ers are fourth in the NFL third down conversions. Packers converted 64% against Seattle and are well above average the last three games. Simple scoring numbers. San Francisco's fourth in first half points with an average of 21. Packers are ninth, put up 21 on Seattle. A non-familiar opponent, although they did play this season. Everything points to a quick start on betting the first half over 22 and a half. All right, that's Dave Esler with a like on Green Bay and San Francisco over in the first half. There's Dave to give you some opinion on the total that Fez and I couldn't give. Another pick by Dave, prop bet. Going right back to the well with this prop, Garoppolo under 22 completions. We were on this exact prop at this exact number last week when he only threw the ball 19 times. The books haven't adjusted, so we're not going to adjust. In 11 of the 49ers' 17 games, he didn't complete more than 22 passes. And again, four of the six he did were against division opponents. Packers aren't a division opponent. Packers played the 49ers this year. I think that's a big plus. Adjustments already made. Books aren't going to adjust. I'm not going to adjust. They're going to throw out 22 again. I'm going to bet under 22 completions. Garoppolo again. All right, that's Dave Astler with a prop bet on Jimmy G under completions. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the NFC Championship game, 49ers-Packers. A bunch of likes on the 49ers here from both me and Steve Fezzik. Hitman with a teaser that's included with San Francisco. Any closing thoughts on that game, Fez? You got a prop bet for me? Yeah, I got prop bets on both games. You got both games? Well, let's start off with this game, and then we'll double back with the other one. 
All right, let's go San Fran, Green Bay. And I like Dave Esler's idea of Jimmy G not having a, a lot of uh, completions. In fact, I played pass yards under. Uh, prevailing numbers 245 right now, Jimmy G under. And I got to tell you, in terms of Green Bay, I certainly see that Devontae Adams has become a monster. So what happened with Adams? He's an elite wide receiver. And then he got hurt. He missed four games. He came back. He wasn't very good. He averaged about 50 yards the next three games. Since then, he has been a monster going over four consecutive games. Of course, he had the great game last week with 160 yards. I'm going over 86 yards for Adams. And because I think Green Bay is going to get behind in this game, I'm going to go ahead and play Jones, the running back, under 67 rush yards. Now, are those widely available right now? Those are what the openers are. They're not widely available yet, so I check with the hitman, some Atlantic City numbers, that he went ahead and provided those to me. They're not available in Vegas yet. So just recapping, you played already have played Jimmy G passing yards under, right? Under 245. Yep. Adams yep. over pass yards, over 85 and a half. And I played Adam Jones under 67. Aaron rush, Jones. Aaron Jones under, thank you, under 67 yards, rush yards. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm Brad Powers. All right, to wrap it up a little bit. You know, I don't even did I even give a handicap on the uh the Titans Chiefs game? I'm not sure I did. That was a long one. Uh I like Kansas City. You also like Kansas City, obviously. We talked a lot about the total in that game. One thing I will say, I think Tennessee's a little overrated from that, you know, obviously that outlier performance from last week. The the game that shocked everybody. Uh the the fact that Tennessee won that game by 16, we like to say, uh, I think it was a fugazi. How do I know that? This is a Tennessee team that got outgained, and let's face it, at some point, yards have to matter. I get why Baltimore was playing from behind. I get why Baltimore had more yards, but still the fact remains that in the entire history of the NFL playoffs, the entire history, no team has ever won a game like Tennessee did getting outgained by 230 yards. No team has ever been at a worst yardage differential and won the game, and yet Tennessee did. And we didn't. Really, we talked about it a little bit on the straight out of Vegas, not here. A lot of it was turnovers. So box score is going to say Tennessee was plus three turnovers, but that in itself misleading because Baltimore, one of the best teams in the NFL on fourth down, goes 0 for 4, including 0 for 2 on fourth and one, Fez. To me, I'd grade that more like a, a, a plus five turnover margin for Tennessee instead of just a plus three. And when that's the case, the chances of a team winning and overcoming that in Baltimore's instance, I mean, far less than 10%. Yeah, you bring up great points for why that game should have been a very close game and not a blood win for Tennessee. You certainly can make the case, and don't get me wrong, Tennessee's been playing so much better. Tannehill's really playing at a very high level. But the New England game, if Edelman catches that pass in the fourth quarter, I don't think Tennessee beats New England in that game. We go back to the first game against Kansas City, 95 to 98% chance that Kansas City's going to win. Kansas City's up five. There's a minute and a half to They're going to kick a field goal? They're going to kick a worst case. First, yeah. they, I mean, they need to be stopped, and then they need to kick a field goal, and um, their idiot special teams messes up in that play. And we could even go back all the way to the middle of the year where Tennessee was getting fortunate as well. So Tennessee, the trend line is certainly there. They're playing better and better, but they have also been very fortunate. Now, I absolutely love your prop here, Fez, and your prop on this one. We talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago. Now, the problem is I don't think it's widely available because I've actually been looking at this one in this game. It concerns Tennessee's field goal kicking 
or lack thereof. And I know the hitman had a stat on this one. This is remarkable. The last 24 scores for Tennessee, touchdowns. 24 straight touchdowns. Haven't had a field goal in, what, four or five weeks? So, Fez, tell me your prop here. Tennessee field goals kicked. We're going to go under one and a half. And if Will it be juiced? How much is it going to be juiced? Probably the under be like minus thirty. Really? Nothing extreme. I don't feel like it's most minus forty because the reason being the books know one and a half is the number. You put that up and you're safe and you're – very rarely is there going to be a really good bet for the better to make. But with Greg Joseph at Tennessee, he's been there since week 16 uh, because suck-up got put onto the, the IR. Uh, Joseph hasn't kicked a field goal yet. So he's a totally unproven kicker. It's 23 degrees. Is Tennessee going to suddenly, you know, fourth and two, look to kick a long field goal? No, no. you got to go score for score with Casey. That's why I even like this play more. Exactly right. So because of that, the Tennessee under one and a half field goals looks really good to me. Um, derivatives to that, if you're having trouble finding it, certainly you could look towards Kansas City to have the longest field goal as well as a prop bet. And even might want to take a flyer and longest field goal under 46 and a half, it being 23 degrees. I will say this, Harrison Butker did kick a 56-yarder for Kansas City at Chicago in December, so he certainly has a leg, but that helps you for longest field goal, Tennessee versus uh, Kansas City versus Tennessee. Now, wait a second. Did you look at the Hitman's notes? I did not. Just so happens that Tommy the Hitman has a prop bet on this one, and it coincides with what you're saying here. Tommy the Hitman not only has the teaser, this would be the first part of the teaser here with Kansas City, but his favorite prop bet in this game is? All right, prop, best bet. We're going to go with the Chiefs to make the longest field goal of the game. Now, I laid 150 on this, and I like it all the way up to minus 170. First off, the Titans haven't even attempted a field goal since week 15, and they haven't made a field goal since week 13. They're on their fourth kicker of the season, Greg Joseph, who's only made six kicks over 40 yards in his 18-game career. On the other hand, you got the Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker, who's 18 of 19 from 40 yards and longer this season. I like the Chiefs in the game, which means more scoring opportunities for them, and that would also mean that the Titans are going to need touchdowns to come back, not field goals. All right, that's Tommy the Hitman, Fez. Kansas City... To make the longest field goal, he's willing to lay minus 150. So there's a lot of correlation there with Kansas City. Love those. Now, let me ask you this. How widely available? Not only yours, the Titans under one and a half field goals, but also Kansas City making the longest field goal. What are we talking here? We're talking about maybe two out of ten books are going to have it. So it- Any in town. Like I, I, we're, I'm in town. I, I want to beat the crowds for the Super Bowl. I'm coming for... AFC, NFC Championship Sunday, am I going to be able to get it here in Vegas? I don't think you are. I think that in Atlantic City you're going to get it. And it's amazing to me how Atlantic City has become such a better menu for prop betting than Las Vegas. Let's face it, we used to have a monopoly in Nevada here, and a lot of the sportsbook managers still treat it as such. So Super Bowl comes along, and there'll be 500 props on the menu, but we just are. Not, I'm disappointed in what we will be seeing in the AFC and the NFC title games, and certainly in the playoffs year to date. Any closing thoughts? One more prop to consider. I oh, think, another one. I, I think Tannehill under makes a whole lot of sense. We keep talking about it. It's going to be Derrick Henry left, Derrick Henry right, the entire first half. If that's our handicap, and it sounds like you agree with that, yep, right, Brad? I do. Tannehill's thrown for 80 yards per game. How is he suddenly going to get? 
if, if he throws for 40 yards in the first half, do we really expect him to throw for 190 in the second half? I'd look 10 L under 230. Is that one out? Is that an opener? That's an Atlantic City opener. Atlantic City opener, Tannehill, under 230 yards. That's Steve Fezzik. You can follow Steve on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. That's F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports. I'm Brad Powers. Follow me on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7. Mackenzie Rivers in the house. Matt Christensen in the house. Any closing thoughts on anything, Fez? Really like the teaser, along with everyone else here, so... I think we get our money back that we lost on the Baltimore Kansas City teaser last week. And that would officially be my best bet for this podcast. I am going to go. I know I lost last week. Took a lot of flack for it, deserved deservedly so, but I am teasing down through the key numbers of 7 and 3. A 6-point teaser on Kansas City minus 1 now and San Francisco minus one and a half. That's going to do it for the dream preview for the AFC NFC Championship edition. You can Listen to the college basketball dream preview that A.J. Hoffman and, and myself do twice a week. Check that out in your favorite pod player. You can check us out also on Straight Out of Vegas, Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And again, we'll be back with you guys to give an early look at the Super Bowl next week. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.